0: Well good morning again, grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The Oxford English Language Dictionary defines a fan as a person who has a strong interest in or admiration for a particular person or thing. And as often happens, fans of a particular thing take on a special name. Trekkies, for example, are fans of Star Trek, not to be confused with Trekkers, which are a different kind of Star Trek fan. Green Bay Packer fans are often known as Packer Backers. Taylor Swift fans are known as Swifties. And as a Swifty, you look at things differently than a non-Swifty. In fact, as we finished out Identity, our Identity series last week, a lot of Swiftie fans would probably identify as a Swiftie. Swifties know that Taylor Swift is a cat person. They know all the personal drama in her life that inspired songs or entire albums. For example, they understand that Taylor's Reputation album was largely inspired as a response to Kim Kardashian calling Taylor a snake online. Swifties know to listen to the Taylor's version of songs that Taylor re-recorded once she was free of her original record contract. And when Swifties are at a concert, they know there are certain crowd chants that they do at certain parts of certain songs. And as of yesterday, any Swiftie looking to see her upcoming concert in October in Miami are also willing to pay a minimum of $1,000 per ticket, as much as $4,600 a ticket. And you've got to be a fan to pay that kind of cash per ticket. According to the same dictionary, a geek is a person who is knowledgeable about and obsessively interested in a particular subject, especially one that is technical or specialist or niche interest. So typically used when we say a computer geek. Or as a verb, to engage in or discuss technical or or computer related tasks obsessively or with great attention to detail. So you might recognize the phrase to geek out on something. A geek might tell you about all sorts of one-liners and subtle nods throughout things like new Star Wars movies that reference the original trilogy, or how small little details on one Marvel movie are referenced in other movies, usually with some short one-liner. Geeks appreciate things like Mel Brooks spoofs and other spoofs that reference all kinds of other films and and sometimes books. I want to give a shout out this morning to God Games and Geekery. It's known as G3 for short. And it's part of Life Promotions and their mission, what they look to accomplish, right off their website says that they are building a community of geekery to strengthen faith within the body of Christ, where geeks can be who they were created to be. I really appreciate this connection with other geeks, and I especially like how Lem, the founder and host of G3, believes that everyone is geeky about something. Everyone has at least one thing that they're really knowledgeable about that's some kind of unique or niche topic. So Swifties, for example, we might say are geeky about Taylor Swift and her music. Chefs, we could say, are geeky about cooking. Gardeners, geeky about gardening. Farmers, geeky about farming. In my professional life, I've built relationships with people at other companies. And depending on where I was and what I did at the time, I would need to reach out to partners or suppliers for different things. In almost every case, I would end up finding one or two individuals at those companies that I just really wanted to talk to every time I called. With them, I knew I was getting the the value of someone who had a geekiness about them that brought this deep understanding of their job and the help and assistance I would receive from them, it was on a completely different level from others. And sometimes that's experience, but most of the time it was just the difference of someone really understanding and geeking out on their job versus, versus those that did not. Here's a great story I heard once, and uh, it kind of drives this point home of how some people are just really geeky about what they do. Uh, it goes like this. The Greybeard engineer retired, and a few weeks later, the big machine broke down, which was essential, essential to the company's revenue. The manager couldn't get the machine to work again, so the company called in Greybeard as an independent consultant. Graybeard agrees. He walks into the factory, takes a look at the big machine, grabs a sledgehammer and whacks the machine once. whereupon the machine starts right up. Greybeard leaves the company and is making and the company is making money again. The next day, the manager receives a bill from Greybeard for $5,000. Manager is furious at the price and refuses to pay. Graybeard assures him that it's a fair price. So the manager retorts that if it's a fair price, Graybeard won't mind itemizing the $5,000 bill. Graybeard agrees that this is a fair request and complies. The new itemized bill reads like this Hammer, $5. Knowing where to hit the machine with hammer, $4,995. <laughs> I'd say Greybeard was a geek, and he really knew the big machine so well. He knew exactly the spot to hit that would get it working again. This verse hit me the other day, kind of like cold water does on the face sometimes. These verses, I should say. Uh, It's from Hebrews chapter 5, uh, verses 11 through 14. It says, there's much more we would like to say about this. But it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize The difference between right and wrong. I know it says Hebrews at the bottom of the screen, but I'm certain God wrote this for me. He knew I'd need this sobering reminder at exactly this point in life. This point where I feel spiritually shallow and dull. The one saying says, Show me your calendar and I'll show you your priorities. And I can tell you that right now my calendar is lacking in study and prayer show up here on a lot of Sundays, but I think I'm just clocking in and clocking out. I've been geeking out on other things at the expense of my faith walk. This passage talks specifically about believers who have been believers for a long time, still not ready for solid food. I really enjoy what I get paid to do. Uh, There are a few aspects of my job that I really find fascinating. And I've been learning and reading about them a lot lately. On top of that, it's just an intense time right now at work. You know, we have those seasons at work. That intensity has resulted in me spending a lot of time focused on work. And that same intensity leaves me feeling pretty tired at the end of the day. So I find time-wasting things to do that don't require any thinking or decisions Then I stay up later than I should, and I sleep later than I should, and I jump right into work the next day. Now I'm geeking out on work at the expense of my faith walk, and that's leaving me spiritually dull. Everything we do starts with thought. Proverbs 23, the first part of verse 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. It was Jim Rohn that shared the idea with me that our minds are like a mental factory. And all day long, we pour ingredients into our mental factory. What we read pours massive ingredients into that factory. And the fabric of our life, those are Rohn's words, is built from those ingredients. My mind is always thinking about something. I think everyone is always thinking about something. And those thoughts are part of the ingredients in your mental factory. And when I'm not pouring God's word into my mental factory, it's all kinds of other ingredients that are going in. And those are what are determining the output, what Roan called the fabric of my life. Pastor Gary just wrapped up his identity series, and if you missed some or all of it, Uh, please go online and watch it. We make all our messages available uh, in a podcast format on our website and on our YouTube channel. It was a great series and a really powerful conclusion last week. In one of his messages through that series, uh, Identity Crisis, he walked through how our identity, which he defined as who we believe we are, determines our actions. And then he said our actions... Uh, all work together to form our behavior, and our behaviors have consequences. And then he said that whole formulary, a uh, formula, excuse me, uh, ending with consequences are what lead to our reality. He defined that ad- our identity again as what we believe about ourselves and who we think we are. And for me, who I think I am and what I believe about myself is really influenced by my thoughts. It's my mental factory that's constantly processing all the ingredients I pour into it. And that helps shape my identity and over the course of that formula that Pastor Gary walked us through results in consequences for me. Consequences that determine what my life is like. What Roan called the fabric of my life. And I'm looking at um, as the identity in the formula, in the formula last week, um, when Pastor Gary posed the question, Who does God say I am? We have this incredible opportunity to read firsthand exactly who God says we are. It's all over his word, and even if you heard all of the, um, it's all over his word. Pastor Gary points it out throughout this identity series. So again, even if you've heard it, go back and listen again and take some notes on some of those areas. I have a, an audio clip I'd like to play. It's from a podcast. I mentioned earlier God Games Geekery, the G3. This is a clip from episode 52 of the podcast that they do. And the guest on this clip, uh, Cliff, is a pastor. He's, he's on TikTok, and there he's known as Revan Geek. And uh, he articulates part of what is really on my heart today really well. So, Jennifer, could you go ahead and play that? I think, uh, I think you and I were talking the other day about how um or an end game, and just that. Yes. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting, and it's neat. And they do a fairly decent job of letting you know who everybody is and why they matter. But because you've seen all the other stuff, you're like, oh, wow, now I see how it all fits together. Really. Exactly. Um, and, and which is why, you know, as you expand your knowledge of scripture and you expand your knowledge of historical context and all the other pieces, then you start to really see how that all gets bigger. Right. The, the movies he referenced in that clip were two Marvel movies. And he talked about how someone could watch just those, Infinity War and Endgame, and have a pretty good experience and kind of know what's going on. But if you've also seen the 18 movies that precede those two movies, and you start to understand all of the backstory and character building that occurred throughout that, those other movies, then there's a much bigger story that you see unfold. There's just a a depth of understanding about what is going on, not just what's on the surface. So here's where I'm going with all this. You know, I've been coming to church on Sundays and other days of the week. And every season of life brings me to a different place in my faith walk. And today, right now, I'm just feeling this spiritual dullness. I feel like I'm skimming the surface every Sunday of what God has to offer me. It's like I'm watching Infinity War and Endgame like he just talked about without having watched those 18 movies that came before them. And I'm missing the bigger story. Pastor Gary does such an amazing job giving us big pieces of that bigger story. Uh, I was thinking of uh, when he explained uh, about Jewish wedding customs. It was the first time I'd ever heard about that. And when a man is betrothed and builds on to his father's house for him and his wife to live in. Now, when I think about Jesus the carpenter and how he tells us in John fourteen two, he says, for I go to prepare a place for you. Now I see more of that bigger story. There's a depth of understanding there. So what I propose this morning is that we all need to become geeks of the Bible we should come here on Sunday to geek out together on scripture and everything that we're worshiping and learning. And just like those two movies, there's something, there's something you can come here and experience on its own every Sunday. But Jesus Christ came down to this earth from his throne in heaven, walked the earth, suffered and died for all our sake. And when we put our faith in him, we are promised eternity with him. In fact, he's building a place for us in that eternity. And that's enough to know for a paid-for ticket to eternal life. But there's also a bigger story here. 39 books in the Old Testament, just setting the stage for Jesus' birth and resurrection. It's kind of like those 18 movies, Marvel movies that lead up to Endgame and Infinity War. And then after four Gospels, there's another 23 books in the New Testament, 66 books altogether in the Bibles that we use. All ingredients for our mental factory. 66 books of our history, our inheritance as children of God. Information on who God says we are. Ingredients that will shape the fabric of our lives. Ingredients that have a real, tangible effect on our daily reality. Our gospel reading today. Jesus was sharing the parable of the sower. I'm just going to read it again, and uh, the reason is I picked this one is because Jesus then explains it, and I don't have to figure it out, Um, as he he did with several others. So starting at uh, verse 3 of chapter 13 again, and he, Jesus, spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear." Now, after this parable, the disciples were asking Jesus why he speaks in parables. And in his explanation, Jesus refers back to Isaiah. And he is explaining that Isaiah's prophecy is being fulfilled. And so this is from Matthew 13, jumping forward to verse 15, where Jesus is referencing back to Isaiah uh, from chapter 6, I believe. He says, for the heart of this people has become dull, With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return, and I would heal them. Not only is this another example of that bigger story, when we know and understand what happened all the way back in Isaiah, it's the same thing described in Hebrews, where God was telling me I've become spiritually dull. Isaiah knew there would be people hearing but not understanding. Jesus referenced it, and the author of Hebrews wrote it again for his, their time. Here, uh, Jesus explains the parable. So I want to read the explanation. It starts uh, in verse 18. Uh, Jesus says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth so no fruit is produced. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60 or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Those deep roots Jesus talks about. For me I hear we need to be geeky about scripture. As the definition said, to engage in with great attention to detail. One of the seven habits that Stephen Covey talks about is sharpening the saw. And isn't it interesting that we just read about being spiritually dull? And uh, what do we do with things that are dull? We sharpen it. Here from Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, So a friend sharpens a friend. I struggle with things uh, when I'm trying to adapt something new or reform a habit through just raw willpower, just trying to do it better. doesn't seem to work very well for me. I find a lot more success making those positive changes when I do so alongside others. God has designed us, created us for community, and it's no surprise that the wisdom of this proverb outlines how it's a friend that helps sharpen us. And what is it that we need sharpening? Well, for me right now, it's that spiritual dullness. Later in Hebrews, uh, as we heard, as Donna read earlier in the scripture reading, uh, we're encouraged in these two verses, 24 and 25. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You know, where I started uh, for in preparing today was reminding us, myself included, why I think small groups are a really important part of what we do here as a church, and for each of us individually. Where I ended up though was in this Hebrews verse uh, talking about the spiritual dullness I still think small groups are really important and I want to encourage you like I mentioned in the announcements to watch uh, there'll be more information coming out our stewardship committee we're wrestling through how to look at small groups uh, maybe a little different way here starting this fall uh, but my challenge for you today is regardless of small groups and and use them uh, in this if you will but Find yourself a study buddy or buddies. Find someone or multiple people who are willing to share their thoughts and challenge your understanding. Find others who will help cultivate what Jesus' parable called good soil. So when the seeds of God's word are sprinkled into your life, they will take root and, as Jesus said, produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even a hundred times as much as was planted. The two areas I think we should really focus on are prayer and study. And if you're not sure who that study buddy might be or where to start, I'm just going to invite you to join me in a Bible study virtually through a Bible app. I like the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, That's what I use every day. And it's got a great feature that uh, you can invite people to a Bible plan You can leave comments and prayer requests for one another so you can see me after. I'll be happy to to get uh, contact information and we can add one another and start up some Bible plans together that way. If you're in a small group or interested in joining a small group, they they would make great study buddies. Um, Your study buddy could be your spouse, significant other, family, friends, Uh, or this group that uh, maybe we'll put together here on the app. When I felt the sharpest spiritually, it's when I was actively walking my faith walk with others who helped hold me accountable, who would challenge my thinking, and who prayed with and for me. Come walk with me as I move from, from milk back to solid food. Come geek out with me on God's word and pour his word as the ingredients into our mental factories, and let's see what kind of reality a life of prayer and study creates for ourselves, our families, and our church. Amen? Amen. 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 Please stand. And let's confess